the State of Florida Sports Podcast, presented by the USA Today Network. Here's your host, Tim Walters. Last season, all three of Florida's NFL teams made the playoffs. Only one, the Jacksonville Jaguars, made it out of the wildcard round only to lose in the divisional round to the eventual Super Bowl champion Kansas City Chiefs. For the Jaguars and Miami Dolphins, the teams look similar to what they did in 2022. For the Buccaneers, however, there's one big change. Seven-time Super Bowl winner Tom Brady has retired, and former number one overall draft pick Baker Mayfield has been tabbed to replace him. As we head into the new season, I welcome in an expert on each team to help break down their week one matchups. All three teams start out on the road. For the Buccaneers, Ira Kaufman of JoeBucksFan.com will join us to look at the game at the Minnesota Vikings. For the Dolphins, Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post joins us to break down the game at the Los Angeles Chargers. And for the Jaguars, Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville will be here to talk about the game at Indianapolis. Hello again, everybody. I'm Tim Walters, and thank you once again for joining me on the State of Florida Sports Podcast, powered by the USA Today Network. This podcast utilizes our Florida Sports Network of beat writers, columnists, and some special guests to bring you up to speed on the most important sports topics. Our Florida network consists of 17 news sites that encompass the state. We encourage you to subscribe to your hometown newspaper and, of course, this podcast to help support the incredible journalism done by our talented staffs. We've got a lot of ground to cover and a short time to do it, so let's get down to business. We'll begin with the Buccaneers and Ira Kaufman. Ira, welcome back to the podcast. Uh, My pleasure to be here, my friend. All righty, good to talk to you again. So it's been a little bit since the draft, I believe, but the NFL season, it's finally here. And the Buccaneers, as with all of Florida's teams, are starting off on the road this week. So the Buccaneers head up to Minneapolis to take on the Vikings at 1 p.m. And Tampa Bay goes in as a six and a half point underdog on the most recent line I saw. So why should Bucks fans have hope that they can pull off an upset up there? Well, because number one, Minnesota's not nearly as good as uh, their 13-win season uh, suggests. Uh, they won every close game, every one. Uh, they were outscored on the season. So you know this is not uh, this is not the San Francisco 49ers, uh, the Eagles, or, or the Chiefs we're, we're talking about. Um, Justin Jefferson is great. He's the best receiver in football. But Dalvin Cook's gone, and he's now running for the Jets. And they're going to go with some kid named Madison who hasn't really done much in the NFL. And I think that that's one less worry for Todd Bowles uh, to be concerned with going to Minneapolis. Uh, Look, they're six and a half point favorites for one reason. One reason. Uh, The pundits and the Vegas odd makers don't believe in the Buck quarterback situation. They don't believe in Mayfield. They don't know anything about Trask. And it's the unknown. Um, if there's one word to describe the 23 bucks at this point, it's uncertainty, absolute uncertainty. Uh, when Brady was here, you knew they were going to be competitive even last year, bad year, but they scraped together eight wins, won the division. And now, uh, uncertainty under center, um, uncertainty on the old line, uncertainty in the running game. That's the word. And that's uh, that uncertainty leads to situations like this Mike Evans contract situation. So for those who couldn't watch this quarterback competition as closely as you were able to, how close was it between Baker Mayfield and Kyle Trask? 
And if Mayfield does struggle early, is he going to have a short leash or is he going to be given, you know, a few games to work on this? So what are you seeing there, quarterback? I think they'll have a relatively short leash. And by that, I mean five or six games uh, to see what, what's going on. Um, you know, if they're one and four, uh, the bye week shows up and, uh, you know, there could be a change. Uh, I don't think the competition was close, uh, no matter what you hear from uh, the Buck Brain Trust. Yeah, Trask looked better than he did during OTAs. We understand that. But it's still training camp, and uh, there's no hitting going on. Uh, Mayfield's edge and experience just um, meant that they weren't, uh, you know, going to start from the same starting block. And that's just the way it is. And uh, uh, Mayfield was going to have to be awful, and Trask was going to have to be great to wrest that job away from him. Uh, Otherwise, uh, they were going with the chalk, and of course, you got to realize uh, the head coach uh, is fighting for his job. He's fighting for his football life. Um, he's got four losing seasons in a row, going back to his time with the Jets. And if it's five in a row, he's not going to be back for number six. Yeah, you know, you, you talk about last year's team and, and Brady squeezing out eight wins from that team. And part of that was he just didn't have a lot of time to throw. So, how much improved is this offensive line this year? And will they be able to give Mayfield the time he needs? Because also the Buccaneers, they're a little bit thin at running back there. So talk about that dynamic and, you know, how Mayfield will, the time he'll have to operate. There's that word again, uncertainty. (laughs) Nobody is coming back from the offensive line that is playing the same position they played in 2022. Uh, That starts with Tristan Wirfs who I think is as good a tackle as there is uh, in the NFL, moving from the right side to the blind side, and by all accounts, making a very successful transition. If anybody can make that change, it's Tristan Wirfs. He's that athletic. He's that dedicated. He's that good. Uh, Left guard, you got Matt Filer. He's a new addition. Center, Jensen's done for the year. Uh, You've got Hainsey. So I guess in that respect, Hainsey is coming back at the same position, but Hainsey, you know, was mediocre last season. They didn't have much push up front. He's the anchor. They're going to miss Jensen's uh, physicality. Um, and uh, right guard, you got a rookie, Cody Mouth, second round pick. Uh, he looks capable. Uh, right tackle, Luke Gedeke. Um, So he's taking worse spot at right tackle. Uh, can they do worse than last year's unit? It's hard to imagine that. Worst running game in the league. You're right. Uh, it was obvious from uh, early in the season, Brady uh, did not have any faith in, in, in this group as pass blockers. Uh, he took he took the ball, and within two seconds, the ball was out. Uh, the completions were short, even to the wide receivers. Uh, he would either throw it away, uh, he didn't want to get hit, and he didn't trust the offensive line. Mayfield is more mobile. Uh, he's not Lamar Jackson, and he's not Justin Fields or Jalen Hurts, but he's more mobile than Brady. They got a new offensive coordinator, and Dave Canales came over from Seattle. And from what we can see in training camp and the preseason, uh, Mayfield is not going to be stuck in the pocket like Brady was. He's going to be on the move. He's going to roll out right. He's going to roll out left uh, in an effort to buy himself some time. So this offense, in that respect, it's going to look a lot different. 
Yeah, now, clearly, obviously, the best offensive weapon that they have is Mike Evans. And I read just a day or two ago that he has now essentially put a September 9th, so Saturday, the day before opening day deadline, on getting a new deal done with the Bucks. What can you tell us about his situation, and will he be out there week one? Well, Buck fans are uh, outraged uh, because it's not their money. Um, and I think without question, Mike Evans has been a tremendous representative for the organization, not just the productivity, uh, which uh, he has a record already with consecutive 1,000-yard seasons from the start of a career. Uh, he's a short thing out there. Uh, certainly, uh, you know, Mayfield will benefit from Mike Evans' experience. Uh, he's also great in the community. So in that regard, you know, it's hard to uh, criticize anything uh, about Mike Evans. However, he's under contract for 2023. We don't know how much leverage he has. I doubt he'll hold out, although it's a possibility. Uh, so he's going to play through this season. Um, and I think the whole thing is about reassessing uh, after six or seven games, see where this franchise is. Uh, again, uncertainty. If they're two and five and somebody makes a phone call, hey, we'll give you a first round pick for Mike Evans. He is 30 years old. I think Jason Light has to at least pick up the phone uh, and listen and uh, ask for as much as he can. And if he's satisfied with the deal, uh, move on from Evans. The one thing that Buck fans don't understand is that this happens all the time in this league. Uh, great players, great players are traded. Devontae Adams, just a few years ago, and it's hard to uh, suggest that Evans is better than Devontae Adams. I think it might be close, but uh, uh, Devontae Adams is that good. And the Packers said uh, sayonara. Um, you know, and Tyreek Hill with the Chiefs, uh, as good as he is, uh, helped them win a Super Bowl. They said goodbye. Um, and, uh, you know, Miami was, was glad to make the deal. So it happens. It happens. Buck fans don't want to hear it. They don't even want to think about it. They think uh, it's blasphemy to suggest Mike Evans might not finish his career in a Buck uniform, uh, a la Rondé Barber. Uh, Derek Brooks did the same. Uh, but we got to remember, even Derek Brooks was released uh, in, in 09 when the Bucks went on a youth movement. So I, I just think that Mike Evans could end up being a valuable uh, trade piece for a team that might be um, in the habit of uh, collecting trade resources for what seems to be, what seems to be in the early stages, um, a 2024 draft, which might be as quarterback rich as 1983. You know, we're going back four decades. That's the, uh, that's the Dan Marino Elway draft. Um, some teams made a mistake that year. The Chiefs took Todd Blackledge. That didn't work out. Uh, the Patriots took Tony Easton. That didn't work out. But there were franchise quarterbacks available. And from the looks of things, this will be uh, one heck of a quarterback draft uh, next April. And, uh, you know, the odds are that uh, the Bucks could be very, very interested uh, in starting over with a new quarterback. Oh, certainly. I mean, you're looking at guys like Caleb Williams, Michael Penix, uh, even now, Jordan Travis is really upping his stock. Uh, you know, Jaden Daniels, who didn't have a great game for LSU in that loss. But you're right. There are 
there's going to be a heck of a lot of good quarterbacks. And this is a rebuilding team, so it would make sense for Mike Evans. I know the Buffalo Bills would probably love to get a hold of him. I don't know what their draft picks look like next year, but you know, let's uh, let's look at the other side of the ball now, though, defense. I mean, you mentioned Justin Jefferson. Kirk Cousins, obviously a, a quarterback who regularly throws for 300-plus yards. So talk about the Bucks defending them. Who gets that job of just trying to slow down Justin Jefferson because you're not going to shut him down? So talk about uh, what the Vikings will do on offense against this Bucks defense. This could be a thing where uh, Carlton Davis, veteran cornerback, making a lot of money, um, could go up to Bowles this week wouldn't shock me and say, uh, I got Jefferson. Let, let me handle him. Now, that's a tall order. Uh, nobody uh, seems to stop Justin Jefferson. He makes acrobatic catches, great route runner, great hands. He's got it all. Uh, and that's why he puts up the numbers he does. And that's why he's going to be one of the first three or four guys taken in everybody's fantasy drafts, uh, if they haven't already drafted. Uh, but Carlton Davis, uh, last year, he took on Jamar Chase. Uh, of the Bengals. The Bucks lost the game, but he did a good job on Chase. Uh, and Chase is a premier receiver. Uh, is he Justin Jefferson? Well, he's in the neighborhood. He's in the conversation. So that could happen. Uh, I don't think uh, Todd Bowles is uh, particularly worried about the Viking running game, especially without Dalvin Cook. The one thing about Cousins, if you're going to look uh, at a weakness, uh, he gets sacked a lot. I believe the number was 46 last year. The last time he played the Bucks was in 2020. That was Tampa Bay's championship season. The Bucks beat him uh, 26-14. He got sacked six times. Uh, and Bowles is very adept at disguising coverages and bringing guys uh, that you don't uh, expect. He gives you looks that turn out to be uh, false. Um, so he's very savvy. Uh, of course, that's how he built his reputation as a D coordinator. And somehow, some way. Uh, even with Shaq Barrett, you know, missing half the season and and the pass rush, you would think on paper, not very good. Somehow they came up with 45 sacks last year, which was the top 10 number. So the Bucks have been very, very consistent in their sack totals since Bowles arrived in 2019. Um, and I don't expect that number to go down. And of course, it could even be enhanced if the first round pick, Kalijah Canty, who has missed uh, the entire preseason and a lot of training camp with an injury, uh, calf injury. Um, they haven't ruled him out for Sunday. He's a, he's a first-round pick, very quick off the ball, uh, defensive tackle, and uh, you put him next to Vita Vea, and uh, the Bucks might have something going there. So I guess if you're game planning for this, you're probably going to drop someone extra back in coverage as opposed to uh, stuff in the box just because you're more scared of the passing game than you are the running game. I would think so. This is a game where Devin White, however, the inside linebacker who's uh, who's also looking for a big contract, just like Evans, and uh, the Bucks are letting him uh, play out the year just like Evans. Um, he's looking for a big season personally. Uh because uh, Devin White, who was the fifth pick uh, in the draft, so the Bucks have a lot invested in him. He was fantastic in the late stages of uh, 2020 through the playoffs. Tremendous. Um, and since then, two years, he's kind of leveled off. So he wants to be paid, and he wants to put a, a heck of a year on tape. One year, not that long ago, he had nine sacks. Now, that's a, that's a heck of a total for an inside linebacker. Uh, I'm not going to hold him to that standard, 
but he could be a factor uh, on the blitz. He, you know, his, his forte is speed, uh, quickness. Uh, he he could give uh, Cousins fits coming up the middle. All righty. So when all is said and done, and the clock hits the double zero, what is your prediction for a final score for this game? Well, Mayfield's healthy. The O line's healthy. They now have certainty about Ryan Jensen. He's not going to be around. So Hainsey's got that job. Uh, I think this revamped offensive line has a chance to be decent. Uh, Rashad White, who I think has a lot to prove, and as you said, it's the thin running back group. Um, And uh, I'm surprised they haven't picked up a veteran back uh, that got cut from somebody else, but we shall see. Uh, I think the Bucks are a very, very lively underdog now. Minnesota went 8-1 at home. Uh, as I said, won all the close games. And as Todd Bowles pointed out, that's a knack. Uh, you know, it's not just luck winning close games. Um, and so you, you give the head coach of the Vikings uh, his due. Um, I, I think the Bucks will pull off an upset uh, on Sunday and let it be known uh, that they're not thinking about Caleb Williams, at least uh, in early September they're not. Uh, but a lot can change uh, over the next six weeks. Well, there you have it, a big upset pick from Ira Kaufman. Ira, it's been great talking to you. Thank you for breaking down the game. And tell people where they can find all of your great work and where they can find you on social media. You can find my columns uh, and my podcast on uh, Joe Buck's fan. Uh, the podcasts are on all the outlets, uh, Podbean, uh, Google, uh, you know, all your normal spots. Uh, a couple of columns a week, maybe three during the season. Joe Buck's fan. Com. I'm on Twitter, iCalfman76. Um, and uh, this is the greatest time of season. Um, college football, pro football, the baseball, pennant races are heating up. You got the U.S. Opens going on. And having said all that, Tim, I got Spectrum TV and I got no ESPN right now. So uh, I'm, I'm, I'm a little frustrated. They better hammer this thing out or uh, Spectrum's going to lose a loyal customer. I hear you. I'm two hours on the other side of the east. You're on the West Coast. I'm on the East Coast straight across on Florida Space Coast. And right as the Gator game was about to start last Thursday, it got cut off. So, yes, we all want this to get worked out. And don't jack up our prices anymore because we are all paying way too much for cable and Internet. So, Ira, again, I really appreciate it, and thanks for being here. All right. Talk to you during the season. Let's now transition to the Miami Dolphins. Dolphins head out west to take on the Los Angeles Chargers. The Dolphins are three-point underdogs in their game that starts at 4.25 p.m. on the East Coast. Let's bring in Joe Shad of the Palm Beach Post to get some insight on this game. Joe, thanks for joining me. What's up, Tim? I'm looking forward to staying out at the beach. I believe it's called Marina Del Rey is where I'll be staying, so I'm excited for that. Uh, Very nice. Probably doesn't quite have the humidity that we've had here in Florida for the last three months. No, it should be perfect. Alrighty, well, I hope you enjoy that, and I hope we get some good football, because this game's expected to be a fairly high-scoring affair. I saw the over-under is at 50.5 points, and as I said earlier, the Dolphins, they're three-point underdogs. So do you anticipate this to be a slobber knocker, or could some rust and a trip to the West Coast make this game a bit more tame? Yeah, because it's the first game of the season, I think you're know, usually going to see... Uh, some some poor tackling, too many penalties, some sloppiness. That's sort of an, an NFL tradition, especially with the reduced preseason. Um, but I think that in this particular game, 
there are game wreckers on defense for both sides that will keep the score lower than you suggested. Uh, Jalen Phillips and Bradley Chubb for the Dolphins, Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa for the Chargers. I think that'll keep the score a little lower. All righty. And I think, yeah, I, I love a good defensive stalemate. As they say, defense wins championships, right? But with the offense, all eyes are going to be on two people, and they're always going to be linked together. That's Chargers quarterback Justin Herbert and Dolphins quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. They were chosen one spot apart in the 2020 draft, Tua going five, Herbert six. So who would you say has the tougher matchup, Tua against the Chargers defense or Herbert against the Dolphins defense? Well, the last time Tua faced the Chargers defense, he struggled in that particular game. The Chargers players spoke about how they took away the middle of the field, and they felt that that had a big impact. Um, Herbert has the advantage of not facing Jalen Ramsey in the game, uh, and with stars like Mike Williams and Keenan Allen. Um, you have to think that uh, the Chargers have a little bit of an edge. All righty. So, you know, in my opinion, also, when it comes to running backs, you probably have to lean toward the Chargers with Austin Eckler. But you definitely have to, as good as the receivers are for the Chargers, I still give the advantage to the Dolphins with Tyreek Hill, Jalen Waddell and company. So do you see this as more of a game where they're going to try and ground it out? Or do you see them just from the get-go trying to sling this thing around? Well, the one thing to know is that the Chargers' run defense has not historically been very good. And the Dolphins are committed to running the ball more more and more effectively this season. Uh, One unfortunate thing is that uh, Jeff Wilson, a key running back for the Dolphins, has gone on injured reserve with multiple injuries and will miss at least four games. So that puts a little more onus on the rookie running back, Devon Aching, who's also been banged up to possibly contribute uh, right away. You know, both of these teams have star corners who didn't play up to their potential last year, Xavier Howard and J.C. Jackson. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see. The Chargers have a new offensive coordinator in Kellen Moore who wants to get the ball down the field more. And I, again, to reiterate what I said a few minutes ago, I think that the Chargers have a little bit of an edge with three really talented receivers, including a rookie who they drafted this year, going against no Jaron Ramsey, potentially Eli Apple, the veteran that can't submit the rookie. Yeah, Keenan Allen and Mike Williams, you know, those guys have been so good for so long. So now I know things don't necessarily translate from one season to another, but if I'm the Dolphins, I'm watching what the Jaguars did to the Chargers in the second half of that playoff game last year, because in the first half, Austin Eckler was having himself a game, and I can't remember what it was, but it was like five yards or something in that neighborhood in the second half. So if you shut him down, you pretty much shut down this offense, don't you? Yeah, it'll be interesting to see what um, the Chargers offense looks like with the new uh, coordinator, but certainly the Dolphins think they're going to be much better after underperforming last season due to the addition of uh, new defensive coordinator Vic Fangio. What do you think the biggest struggle that the Dolphins will have with the Chargers? Do you see it as uh, their offense having more struggles, or do you think it's going to be the defense struggling against that high-powered Chargers offense? Well, the Dolphins are hoping that uh, Pro Bowl left tackle Teron Armstead will be able to play despite a lower leg injury. And that's key because Khalil Mack and Joey Bosa against Austin Jackson and Teron Armstead is the most problematic issue for Miami. You know, Mack and and Bosa have been banged up last season and at times throughout their careers. But obviously, being the season opener, they're both going to be revved up and healthy. All right, same question for the Chargers then. What do you think they're going to have the most struggles with with the Dolphins? 
Well, similar in that the Dolphins uh, have a really strong front. Uh, when you think about Nick Chubb, Zach Sheeler, who's recently signed, Christian Wilkins, who wants to be signed, Jalen Phillips, Emmanuel Alba, Raekwon Davis. This is just a really front, strong front. And even though the Chargers think they've improved their offensive line, just like the Dolphins and similarly most NFL teams, they continue to have concerns about their offensive line. What are some of the storylines that, you know, people are always looking at the quarterbacks, the running backs, and obviously the big names on defense. Are there any storylines or people that we should be watching for that maybe aren't getting talked about ahead of this game? Well, it's interesting. Both teams have a lot of new coordinators. Chargers, Kellamore on offense. They have a new defensive coordinator. Their defensive coordinator actually joined the Dolphins staff, and the Dolphins offensive coordinator once worked in California. So there's a lot of crossover. There's always that familiarity between the staffs and, of course, a new defensive coordinator. For the Dolphins. So the one consistency is two having the second year in the same offense, which should balance things out. And they kept asking me about who has the edge here, who has the edge there. The truth of the matter is this is an even game. The reason that the Chargers are a three-point favorite is because they're at home. Of course, this tells you that uh, the odds makers think the talent is even. And in fact, both teams are projected around not yet over under wins for the season. So this game will have you know, it's the first of, of seven teams, so it might seem like the end is a long ways away. But um, this is the kind of game that could come into play in the AFC wild card tiebreaker scenarios. You know, just a couple of years ago, it seems like Chargers head coach Brandon Staley was a darling of the league. They, you know, he was a genius for always going for two. Last year, that kind of came to, back to bite him a bit. So, do you think? Do you see a scenario where maybe this game comes down to a missed or made two-point conversion, or maybe a, one of those? You know, he and Mike McDaniel are both kind of outside the box guys. So, what do you think about the coaching in this game? Yeah, they're aggressive, and I'll give the Dolphins' coaching staff the edge. You're right. Even though the Chargers went to the playoffs last year, Staley had to fire both of his coordinators to keep his job. So, um, the the I, I, there's a memorable game. When before the Chargers' new stadium was open, where uh, their kicker missed a field goal at the end of the game that would have either tied or won the game. And I see a similar scenario in this game. I think it's very early, and I usually don't make predictions, but I know you want one. So I'll give you Dolphins 27, Chargers 24, with the uh, caveat that whoever the Chargers' kicker is, I think it's Dicker, Dicker the kicker. I think that's his name. Uh, I will go with him missing a field goal that would have sent the game to overtime. Alrighty. Is there anything else about this matchup you want to get in front of the audience? Uh, no, just continue to follow us on uh, on PalmBeachPost.com. Check out the Palm Beach Post app. Check me out on social media and Shad Joe. All right. Before I let you go, Joe, I don't know if you saw the results from this that we had just released, but you know we had our vote where it was Tua versus Trevor Lawrence. Who's the bigger star? And uh, Trevor got 76% of the votes over two weeks. So I wanted to get your reaction to Tua losing that fan vote. Yeah, you rigged the thing. Uh, that is not an accurate uh, vote. I would demand a recount. Uh, I know that you. Uh, that there's no way that that percentage of uh, Americans, Floridians, whatever, people who wear jorts, and no percentage of any group <laughs> would agree with that particular survey. So I don't. I don't believe that to be accurate. I need to. You need to double check your numbers. Yeah, I don't want people to know, but my IP address shows up in there about 1,800 times. Exactly. <laughs> no, well, Joe, hey, I appreciate it. Safe travels out there to Los Angeles. Enjoy the nice weather. And again, I always appreciate your expertise, and I'm sure we'll be talking to you real soon. All right, man. Take care. Okay, two games down, one to go. 
Let's turn our attention to the Jacksonville Jaguars at the Indianapolis Colts. To help me break this down is Demetrius Harvey of the Florida Times Union in Jacksonville. Demetrius, we text about every day, but it's always good to hear from you. Thanks for being here. Absolutely. I, I enjoy it. All right. Well, let's get uh, let's get down to business here. The Jags, they hit up to play AFC Southfoe Indianapolis at 1 p.m., which will be starting rookie quarterback Anthony Richardson, the former Florida Gator. He didn't show a whole lot in the preseason, but everyone thinks he's a shoe-in prospect. So how does this game go for Richardson against the Jaguars defense? Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see. Obviously, we haven't seen a lot of Anthony. Um, if you've watched Florida football, you've seen a pretty good bit. But honestly, he hasn't played that much football in terms of uh, actually throwing the football in his life. You know, he only started, I believe it was, you know, the you know obviously all 12 games last year for Florida. And then, you know, just a few sprinkled in during his first two years with the program. Um, so you really haven't seen too much. But, you know, he, he's a guy that obviously can – can get out there and run his his running ability is probably one of the best you know that has come out of the draft in, in quite some time maybe since cam newton so you know that there's obviously reason for him to be a reason for people to be excited about him and as for how he does against the jags it, you know time will tell but you know they did struggle with some running quarterbacks last season you know a, a couple guys even daniel jones was able to get i believe nearly 100 yards on the ground last year. So it's going to be interesting to see how they sort of handle Anthony. They haven't, they never played him before, but at the same time, when you have a veteran defense or a defense that's playing in the same system for at least a year, um, you know that they're going to be on their P's and Q's, so to speak, more than maybe a rookie quarterback would on his side of the ball. You know, they don't have a lot of talent in the backfield. I'm sure we'll talk about that a little bit. Um, you know, the receivers and, 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 and with a rookie quarterback, that chemistry is going to be tough to actually, um, you know, showcase during the first game of the season. So I, I do think that the Jags do fare well against a rookie quarterback, but the only concern right now would be about the running ability. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, look, he's a physical freak. He's six foot four. He's like 245, 250 pounds. He's like the size of a professional wrestler at quarterback. So yeah. And if that guy gets running at you full speed downhill, but still the Jaguars, they got some big, tough linebackers and things. So it'll be fun to watch. Now the odds makers, they give Jacksonville a three and a half point advantage. And, you know, they're away, which usually a home team, if it's a close game, will get three points just for being home. So you almost have to look at it as like a six and a half point advantage in a way. And the over under, it's pretty low. It's 43 and a half points. So obviously they're taking into account Anthony Richardson, no Jonathan Taylor, which we'll talk about in a minute. So, uh, you know, when you look at that, you know, why do you like this matchup in other ways as far as Jacksonville their offense versus the uh, the the Indianapolis defense. Yeah, I, I do like it because you know they don't at least for now. Indy doesn't have any proven guys at corner. You know they they're sort of re reshaping that group. Kenny Moore is back, but you know he's a guy that has been up and down in his career thus far. So you you kind of have to think of it like this. You know the Jaguars have guys like Calvin Ridley, Evan Ingram, uh, Zay Jones, Christian Kirk. Uh, all these, you know, weapons in the passing game that that Trevor Lawrence has to his disposal, I just don't see how Indy can sort of match up with it. Now, the the big question will become, you know, will Indy's uh, defensive line match up? Quiddy Pay is a pass rusher that, in my opinion, is going to be a, a very good player in this league. DeForest Buckner is an elite uh, interior 
defensive linemen. So, you know, there, there's a couple guys that do give you some pause, you know, their front seven isn't completely in shambles. So um, I could see that being a matchup problem, but absolutely, you know, the Jaguars passing game against the Colts pass defense, that's something where, you know, I could see why, you know, the odds makers have them winning basically by a touchdown. Yeah, so you know the when you look at the offense, it, it's obviously very similar to last year. It was a top ten uh, scoring offense in the league, but now you're adding Calvin Ridley at receiver. And you know what I like as a one-two punch with Travis Etienne is the dra- draft pick Tank Bigsby, who's been impressive in the preseason, and you know he might end up being a really good goal line guy too as the number two running back. So do you see Trevor Lawrence opening up this offense early? Or does Doug Peterson try and ground this one out, given it is the first game of the season, so you're still kind of, you know, getting used to everything? Yeah, they're they're, they're going to still be getting used to everything. But I will say this, you know, Doug is very much a pass-first uh, coach. You know, he's a guy that's going to uh, take shots. He believes in the pass game. You you pass to win or, or you pass the score, you 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 run to win sort of mindset. So, you know, he's going to be a guy that's going to immediately come out firing. I think we even saw that in the preseason. I, I don't think that that's going to be too much of a difference in terms of tendencies. Um, this isn't a one, two, three, you know, run on first and second down, throw on third down sort of uh, offense. I, I do think that they're going to air it out, you know, in the beginning. But, you know, going up against the Colts and uh, depending on what the score can be, you know, if the Jaguars, say, get off to a 14-0 start, then obviously you're going to start seeing Travis and Tank and, and all those guys sort of being added into the mix. So, you know, I, I do think that they're going to air it out at first and then sort of, you know, let the game come to them as it goes um, afterward. Yeah, so if you're first-year Colts head coach Shane Steichen, what are you trying to do? Are you going to have extra guys back uh, to, to try and you know stop the receivers, or are you going to try and put an extra guy up in the box to put more pressure on Trevor Lawrence? How would you game plan for this Jacksonville offense? Yeah, that, that's a that's an interesting question, but um, I do think that causing a lot of mayhem up front is a way to sort of get Trevor rattled. Uh, not to say that he really succumbed to that last year, but that that that's one way to get a a quarterback, even a great one, uh, sort of on their toes and and and, and misfiring. Uh, this is still a new offense in terms of having Calvin Ridley in there. They're going to have a whole new set of plays for him specifically. So if if the Colts can sort of get the Jags off balance early by break bringing up a lot of pressure, then I could absolutely see the, see the Jags sort of misfiring early on um, and, and moving forward, but we'll see. All right. And you know, now we talk about the situation with the Colts. Jonathan Taylor has obviously been put on the physically unable to perform list. So he'll have to miss at least the first four games of the season. Will he be traded? What's going to happen with him? Who knows? But what we do know is he's not going to be there for game one. You have a rookie head coach. You have a rookie quarterback, and now your running backs are Zach Moss and Deion Jackson, who, you know, Jackson had a few nice games last year when Taylor was out injured, but they're carrying the load. So, you know, doesn't bode well for that rookie QB. Can you put into words, you know, what, imagine coming into the league and you're Richardson and here you think you're going to have Jonathan Taylor and then you don't. And now you're facing the team that won your division last year. Yeah, it's it, it's not good. It's uh to me it's malpractice by the Colts to uh sit there and and not, and, not, and honestly not not pay 
um, Jonathan Taylor, he's a guy that's going to be an, an incredible running back for, for years to come. I understand the, the entire process, but um, for you to take away Anthony Richardson's best player, you know, before they even hit the field in week one, I just don't see why the, why they they went in that direction but I digress I do think that it's going to be you know sort of difficult for for Anthony I already mentioned about the about the wide receivers you know Michael Pittman is a very good receiver but then you have Alec Pierce who's sort of still developing going into year two and then you have Josh Downs who um, just really he's a rookie so you know it's going to be a a weird situation where you know they're going to be relying a lot on Anthony to run relying a lot on Anthony to pass um, with Zach Moss I believe he's a little banged up too you know the, it just doesn't bode well for a guy going into his first game so yeah it's it's terrible I'm sure Anthony uh puts his best smile on but is thinking in the back of his head I wish that um my star running back was here yeah you know it just it you're right it doesn't make sense because what is Taylor he's 24 25 years old coming to the end of a rookie contract you think they could find like a three-year deal that would be suitable with an amount of money. I mean, it's not like he's looking for a five or six-year deal. He's not a quarterback. So uh, when the dust settles, what is your prediction on Jaguars at Colts? What do you think that final score will be? Yeah, I forget what I, you know, I guess unofficially, officially predicted earlier this offseason. But I'll go ahead and say I think it's going to be maybe a 28 to 10 type of game for the Jaguars. I really do think that they're they're going to win if they don't come out firing and if they don't win week one and then they have to play Kansas City week two that's not going to be a good start to the season so you know I, I'm I'm pretty optimistic about them winning I think that it'll be a pretty easy game 28 to 10. Yeah I think that definitely the Colts offense is going to struggle I think the Jaguars are looking sharp they look good throughout the preseason they look good in practices I think Doug Peterson certainly has them ready to go. I'm with you, you know, about 38, 40 points. I think you got to take the under in this one. And I think the Jaguars will, will clear that spread. So Demetrius, as always, we can find all your work at jacksonville.com. And where can we find you and your large following on social media? Absolutely. You can find me on Twitter at Demetrius82. You know, I do have a blue sky and, and the other platform, but I don't really use them too much. But uh, Twitter or, or X, whatever you want to call it, at Demetrius82. Alrighty, and before I let you go, you know, we also start our predictions coming up here, our season predictions with our experts, the six of us staffers at the Times Union and Mike DiRocco of ESPN. And last year, Demetrius, you started out 0-6, so you got to get better this year, right? I got to get better, but you know, the Jags need to stop um, going, getting off to, to weird starts, you know, 0-1 at first. And then you're like, they're not going to win that second game. They're not going to win against the Chargers in the third game. And then they go ahead and do it. And then you, you kind of switch it up. And, and that's what I did. So that's how I started 0-6. I'll start 1-0 this year. Yeah, you know, actually, I started out two and four. Then I flipped the coin twice. The coin was right twice. And then I picked against myself twice. So I went four and oh by doing probably something I shouldn't have. But I expect to dominate again this year. (laughs) That might be the key. All righty. Well, Demetrius, again, I appreciate it. Thank you for joining me. And we'll talk to you again soon. Absolutely. And that will do it for another episode of the State of Florida Sports Podcast. I'm Tim Walters, and to quote the lead singer of Hootie and the Blowfish, Darius Rucker, there's two times a year for me, football season and waiting for football season. Well, the wait is over and football season is here. Me, Darius, and millions of others are really happy. Thanks for listening, and join me again next time. (laughs) 